All right, here we are once again, Bhagavad Gita. And uh, I thought we would talk about. Uh, Well, I've done this before, and but it seems like something we need to do more and more of. Uh, a lot of folks uh, have the, the, a, a question uh, of which is better, the personal route or the impersonal route. You know, so and a lot of you say, "Well, I'm convinced I'm to be a personalist," but I think we need to hear what Prabhupada says and what Krishna says again and again because. That's basically the two different trains of thought, the two schools we run into. And the problem is, <clears throat> the reason why we need to hear it again and again, it's kind of like, you ever hear somebody say, uh, uh, usually people say, uh, when they've had a problem with alcohol, they'll never say, well, I was once an alcoholic. They usually say, I'm a recovering <coughs> alcoholic. Well, how long has it been since you had a drink? Well, 27 years. Well, why don't you still consider yourself recovering alcoholic? Well, yeah, I, I'm, because although I haven't even been tempted in 27 years, I feel like it wouldn't take much for me to fall off the way. You see, so that's somebody that's serious. You know, I had a problem, and and I'm not going to say to myself, "Oh, I can drink if I want to." You know, so uh, it's like that with us. We're what I I, call, I, I refer to myself as a recovering <coughs> personalist. I was once an impersonalist. You know, I didn't think that God was a person. God is a, you know, he's the spirit of love, and he's the universal energy, and you know, you know, you can come up with all these things. You give him a face and a personality that has, uh, that will make requests of you. Do this, do that for me, would you please? You see, no, it's rules, you know, like rules. If, uh, if this entity, has no face and no personality, then I don't worry about that entity asking me to do anything. And if, if I don't have to worry about him asking me to do something, I sure as heck don't have to worry about him asking me to do something I don't want to do for him or anybody else. You see? <coughs> I don't feel like some people say, well, you, you got to love God. You know, well, unless he has a personality, how do you love him? What's to love? Now, once you get to know Krishna, you say, what's not to love? But before you do, before you get to know him a little bit, then what's to love? What do you love about him? What is likable about God? So, a lot of times I find that people like to, uh, <clears throat> I'm not pointing any fingers, I'm just saying people in general, uh, they start to kind of straddle the fence a little bit, you know? Uh, a lot of people, for instance, I think I've talked about the Kashmiri Shivites. I don't know if you know much about the Kashmiri Shivites. They'll tell you, they'll look you right in the face and say, Hey, Jivananda, no, we're not impersonalists. We worship Lord Shiva. We worship the form of Lord Shiva. So we don't believe, we don't believe that hogwash about impersonalism. And you say, oh, okay, so you're impersonalist. I mean, you're, you're personalist, you're not impersonalist. So, uh, you worship Lord Shiva? Yeah, yeah. So what are you and Shiva going to do when you're liberated? Well, Shiva unless Shiva is in this, this material world, is unmanifest. You see? 
And they're convinced, no, I'm a personalist. I believe God takes a form. But I don't believe he has a form. In his natural form, he's just like air. Energy, like electricity. Electricity's there. We can see evidence of it. But you can't see it. You can't deal with it. You can't have a conversation with it. It just is there to serve you. You turn the light switch on, and the electricity turn makes the, makes light. The electricity never makes any demands from you. You see, so it's there. It's a stronger power than I am. I recognize it's it's the all in all, but it's really here to serve me. It does a good job of serving. Me, so. uh, some of my Christian friends that I've talked to will tell me that they believe Lord Jesus Christ is is God in the flesh. All right, yeah, that's good. What about his father? Oh, he's the spirit of love. Well, we'll hold it now. That sounds like the Kashmiri guys, you know, or she likes. So you're saying that, in other words, Lord Jesus Christ, when he's on the planet, is manifest? I mean, does he just turn into thin air when he leaves? What happens? And his father is just like electricity? Well, he the, no, the, the, well, he and the Father are one year. Okay, I believe that. I believe that. I'm with you there. But answer my question. You know, when we go to heaven, are, is there going to be a person there? And if so, what are you guys going to do? Jews, I don't know. They're probably kind of, you know, be a nice thing to think about. See? You know, if you think, well, I just want to go merge. I just want, you know, it's just energy. You know, it's just energy. I want to go merge with it. All right, then that's fine. If you really honestly feel that way, that's fine. That's possible. So Arjuna gets caught up in this uh, question. We're going to go into the 12th chapter. The first eight verses. I want to read the, 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 the uh, translations and some of the purports, but I want to, I want to get through these eight verses because it's very important. Arjuna wonders the same thing. It's just like, uh, one time I was having lunch with Jai Gwitkaswami, we were in Mayapur, <coughs> and whenever we get a chance, I like to have lunch, just the two of us, you know, and uh, and he likes to just really get deep, deep thought, you know. It's, it's, just a, it's such a pleasure, you know, because he likes to kick it around and drill down into a subject matter. And uh, anyway, he was pointing out, he said, do you remember when you started reading Prabhupada's books? And I said, yeah. He said, I don't know if you were like me, and maybe all of you, see if you, if you those of you who have read Prabhupada's books. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Good to see you. Good to see you too. And you too, Susan. Hare Krishna. We're talking about the, the, the personal and, and impersonal paths. Okay, great. Arjuna wants to know about no. So, uh, you sure you want something you should sit on something? Yeah, so, uh, I'd wait tomorrow, I brought up the point that when we first started reading Prabhupada's books, you didn't have to go very far in Bhagavad Gita. And then you notice Prabhupada's talking about these impersonalists. You know? He's talking about, and he's not talking very favorably. He's like wailing on these impersonal guys, you know? So after a while, I start to think, well, who are these guys? 
who the heck are these impersonalists? I mean, what is Prophet? I mean, did they steal his lunch money on the way to school when he was a kid? Or what? He is really punching at these impersonal guys. What is this? Who are these people? And as I read further and chanted, all of a sudden, and Maharaj and I were talking, we had the same realization. I'm the impersonalist. He's talking about me and others, but me. I was, I'm, I was there. I actually believed that God was just electricity. You could see his evidence everywhere. Evidence of his being. But he can't put two and two together. He doesn't have any personality. He doesn't have any digits to count on. Those two, two plus two is four. You know, I didn't give him credit for anything except being the all-pervasive energy. Uh, the you know you you know, you've heard the story. You know, the, the, the spirit of love, the uh, universal energy, that which permeates the cosmos, and blah 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 blah. blah, blah. The light. The light. Yep, the light. Because I don't know if I ever want to go nose to nose with this guy. I'm not, I don't want to serve him. I don't want to serve anybody. I want, you know, I, I like the electricity thing. If God's electricity, he's my servant. You know, because like electricity is my servant. I flick on the light switch and the electricity gives me light. And as long as I can keep God arm's length away, or arm's length away, we're fine. We're fine. I don't want to go hop in this map. I certainly don't want him to mind. You see what I mean? So there's this thinking that I just I realize I'm a recovering impersonalist. So we have a tendency to swing that way if we're not careful. Because for countless births we we had that thinking. You see. Now it is possible to worship God in the impersonal and in uh, it's possible to achieve impersonal uh, realization and impersonal liberation. You can do that if you like. And we'll talk about that later. We'll see if, if there's something good about it that you say, well, I, I really would prefer that because I think that for me, that would get more benefit there. Then fine. So Arjuna, because Krishna has talked about so many, you know, Krishna's not twisting Arjuna's arm. He's not saying, Look, do this or do that. You know, it's not like you can do this or I want to turn into a pro or salt or anything. Krishna's just like, oh, there's tons of yoga and there's all this. You know, Arjuna starts, keeps pushing him to, you know, tell me, tell me. In the second chapter, Arjuna says, I'm, I'm a soul surrender to you. Please instruct me. So Krishna starts telling him about the different yoga paths and the whole thing. So finally, here with the 12th chapter, and Arjuna really wants to get Krishna into a corner. You know, he wants to. He wants to know. So Arjuna says, I'll, "I'm just going to read the English, just to, for for time. So because we're going to get to eight verses. All right, Arjuna inquired, which are considered to be more perfect? Who, uh, those who are always properly engaged in your devotional service, or those who worship the impersonal Brahman, the unmanifest?" So Arjuna is saying, all right, I've heard you just give me all these descriptions of the options. What's the best? You see? So which one is to is be considered more perfect? Straightforward question. Krishna fires back. 
the supreme personality of God had said, those who fix their minds on my personal form and are always engaged in worshiping me with great transcendental faith are considered by me to be most perfect. All right? Krishna says, those who fix their minds on my personal form. Okay? So he's very clear. But, he doesn't stop there. Krishna goes on to say, but, those who fully worship the unmanifested, that which lies beyond the perception of the senses, the all-pervading, inconceivable, unchanging, fixed, and immovable, the impersonal conception of the absolute truth by controlling the various senses and being equally disposed to everyone, such persons engaged in the welfare of all at last achieve me. So Krishna is not saying, hey, look, you either do this or you're, last, you're lost forever. So he's saying, you can, you can, you can follow the path of impersonalism, but ultimately you're gonna, you're gonna get me, and we'll explain why a little bit later. Right. Krishna goes on: For those whose minds are attached to the unmanifest, impersonal feature of the supreme advancement is very troublesome. To make progress in that discipline is always difficult for those who are embodied. So, Krishna's saying, ultimately you're going to end up with me. But why is that? If I, if I pursue the impersonal path, how do I end up with, with the personal Krishna? I don't get it. If I head north, how do I get south? South. Huh? South. Krishna says you do, you'll get me. Yeah, no, I'm saying he's all. Yeah, but ultimately you'll, you'll get me. You'll end up here. This is the final destination. You'll you'll want you'll end up with, with me personally in a personal relationship. Why is that? Because liberation into the impersonal Brahman is not permanent. It could be. You could stay there for eternity if you wanted to. What's in it for you? What do you get? What do you think about it? Anybody? Nothing get? good, just nothing bad. Right. The yeah. Buddhists, the Buddhists say you get nirvana, and nirvana uh, in America, we think that nirvana means really good stuff. You know? Nirvana is a Sanskrit word that means who knows the definition? Nothing in the forest. It means nothing. Void. Zero zip nada lights out, not existing. In other words, you, to get away from the stresses of the material world, we want to go to nirvana. Nothing. Zero. Thank you. Okay. Now, the, the impersonal Vermont isn't quite like that, though. You're, there is light, so there is something. But you don't have senses. Okay? Uh, there's other people, other souls there, you might, I'm speculating, surely you might be able to sense them that they're there. But let's say one thing that, that people say, that I'd like to go into that in personal Brahman because I get shanti. I get peace. So, what if you go there, you're liberated into the impersonal Brahman, and here you are, and you're really peaceful. Alright, picture that. 
But as far as me, Krishna, you want to merge with me? Never been done, and you're not going to be the first. But you can you can merge into my dazzling intelligence. So when the living entity comes back, this is why we meet people, and I know all of us have met people that we see are very advanced. They seem extremely advanced in spiritual life in so many ways. And it comes easier for them. It, it's very easy. They, they advance in Krishna consciousness very quickly. Because they've already performed the austerities of, of, of being liberated into the personal Brahmana. Once in a while they bump into people. Some of them want to get on the path of Krishna consciousness. Some of them are still wanting to keep Krishna at arm's length and explore something else. So it seems like they've got some focus. And they do. They've already been liberated. But they came back looking for something better. Okay. Any questions up until this point or comments? Seems like uh, we have some impersonalists in our movement. And it seems like just like they have this nature, like they're kind of like in the movement, they're kind of out, kind of one foot in, one foot out. It seems like they're, you know, really yoga, you know, real much into chanting, like chanting, but it seems like a lot of. Well, do you mind if I explain? Yeah. Promise nobody in here will get their feelings Promise? I don't, I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings, but let me show you. Let me demonstrate with personalism. We're all recovering in personalism. All right. Now, I don't mean to sound like a mean guy, but let's just say, here we are in Arizona. If you hang your clothes on the, on the line out there, it takes, what, 20 minutes max? And they're dry. I mean, if you're, I was hanging up three dodies here today. And, and I felt, by the time I got the third one hung up, I went and felt the first one. It was dry. But I let it stay another 10 minutes. So, all right, so 20 minutes max. Why, when we share the line, would you let your phone stay there for an hour? Four hours? You're not really concerned about maybe he wants to put his clothes in. It's got to do, today was his laundry day. He wants to put his, his clothes on, or he wants to, or somebody to. All right, but I've got mine hanging there for four hours. Okay, I got mine up there, they're dry. It's impersonal. If I was aware of you and cared, I would think, wow, it's only going to take 20 minutes. I'm getting down to somebody else may want. You see what I mean? Looking out for the other person is personal. And I will use that as a good example. I don't think we have a horrible problem with that here. Although sometimes I notice clothes that stay up there because I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to wash today. And I, I walk by and then, oh, you know, when they take their clothes down, I'll wash. And I go by again and they're still there. I think, all right, I'll wash them off. I'm, all, I'm easy. You see what I mean? But I'm wondering, why doesn't somebody, you now if they say, well, you know, I had a lot of service people. You know, it only takes 20 minutes. You know, for your clothes to dry. If you know it's going to take an hour to put your clothes uh, through the site in the cycle, then you can put them in, you look, it's 2 o'clock, it's 3 o'clock, they're done. Somebody else may need the machine. I don't. See what I mean? So in the Shikhar Bhagavatam, the first canto, the second chapter, I believe, there's that first, but I'll be done, but the other one, 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 the other
devotional service and meditation is okay. Yeah, so that's, just like that's later on in this yeah, chapter when he starts in the right path. Yeah. So, well, Krishna, first of all, lays out, if you want me, here I am. But if you, if you don't want to perform devotional service, maybe you can just work for me. You know, if you don't want to do that, he starts yeah, he breaks it down. Negotiating with himself. And if you don't want to do that, then just do this. Now he's not saying that if you do that, you're going to, that that's going to liberate you. But it'll it'll it's a he shows you you can step your way up to where you are. You can't you can't you can't do this. Service, then, then, money. then do that. You yeah, can't money. Give money you have, you have time or whatever. Correct. So yeah. Back to Laura's question. It seems like. Seems like there are saints in many traditions. So why Christian consciousness? There's saints in many traditions. There's yeah. the Teresas and so forth. So why do we need to take Christian consciousness? All right, Krishna's going to answer that. If he, if he doesn't, then we will. Okay. Don't let me forget this. Okay. Remember that part. Because there are. We see saintly people. But they they may not be engaged in. They may not go to our church. Just because they don't go to our church doesn't mean they're not saintly. Just because they may appear saintly doesn't mean that they're on the right path to achieve a loving devotional service relationship with Krishna. So, let's see what Krishna has to say here. But those who worship me, giving up all their activities unto me, and being devoted to me without deviation, engage in devotional service, and always meditating upon me, having fixed their minds upon me, O son of Krishna, for them I am the swift deliverer from the ocean of birth and death. This is why he was saying it's really troublesome if you try to strike out on your own. You see, first of all, to achieve, it's kind of funny, because we see a lot of people nowadays, the New Agers, they're talking about this impersonal Brahmanuel. I'm performing a Shandyo. And I think, oh, you are! I'm thinking of my, you know, my kid, my son, Keshava, when he was a little boy, and uh, he had a little toy gun. He said, Daddy, I'm, I'm a policeman. And he said, oh, you are! That's so cute. <laughs> so I'm performing Shlom Yoga. Oh, really? Do you know what it says? I mean, do you know what the, what the reveal scriptures of the, the book that says on how you perform Shlom Yoga, what you have to do to perform it? No, you're not. First of all, you're not in a secluded place, and you're not, I mean, you're not. I mean, I could go into, but I mean, there's even details that I don't know before we show you. You know, you, you have to go to the Himalayas and, and, and be able to, uh, you know, way out in the mountains someplace, away from everybody. And you'd have to have real, some heavy training to do this. This isn't something you can do 15 minutes a day or two hours a day. Shtanga yoga means you have to really control your senses. I mean, really control your senses. You lose, uh, you lose track of your of your physical well-being. You have to move your life's errors up. You know, you have to sit perfectly. Your spine lined up perfectly the axis of the planet. I mean, this is hard stuff. We're not doing it. Now, there may be some people on the planet now that can do it, but I doubt if they're here teaching it. And if they were teaching it, nobody would do it. 
you know, if you were, you know, you're, you're experiencing this. If, if you were teaching really 100% Ashtanga Yoga and your people showed up and you were giving them the full deal as is described, they're going to say, this has been fun, but I think not. Am I right? I just want to, I just want to feel better. I'm not, I don't want to sit, you know, I don't want to rule out my stairs out and you know, this thing for years. I don't want to sit for years or months. I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. You know? It says, uh, completely free from sex life. Completely, totally free from sex life. We're not talking about free from illicit sex life. We're talking about zero sex life at all. The yogis that, that are performing Ashtanga Yoga, you can still see some of them at Kumbhaveva. And they've got fingernails that are real long, their hair is long and matted, and they're, they're not even in touch with their own bodies. You know, they're just, you know, they're not, they're just trying their best to do Ashtanga Yoga 24 hours a day. They hardly ever eat anything. You know, they're not interested in satisfying the tongue or smelling anything nice or touching anything like that. They slow their heart down so low that yeah. the average person can do. Yeah, and I'm sorry, most people <coughs> on the planet now don't want to do that stuff. And that's what you have to do to achieve Vermont realization. So of the, of the people who go around touting that they believe that God is just the universe of liberty and that's where they want to go, how the heck do you think they're going to get there? Is there a bus or a train that will take you there? You buy a ticket and zoom, the way you go? I don't think so. So wouldn't we rather have people contemplating some sort of God consciousness than none at all? Exactly, yeah. 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 So why do we sometimes okay. Yes. What we want to do is is at, we want to inquire. It's just like I used this analogy the other night, so pardon me for being redundant, but sometimes it's I have to do that. I think it was Monday night we talked about this. And I like this this points out what I'm talking about. Let's say you go into a restaurant and you're looking at the menu and you pick something that sounds really good. Alright? So you sit there, the waiter brings your dish and you're looking at it, oh this is great, you start to eat. And you look over and this guy over here at the table next to you, he's got something really fabulous. And you think, what? call the waiter over, hey, what is this guy? I didn't see that on the menu. And the waiter says, oh, well, that's not on the menu. What? Well, no, he's, he's a friend of the chef. He and the chef got together, and the chef has these secret things and secret recipes, and he shared it with him. Okay, now that I know that this is available, next time I come here, I'm going to want what he has. So what do you call that? Oh, the chef make it look. Well, yeah, we asked for it. So now, we what we want to do is to let people know what's on the menu. You can have a personal, loving relationship with God. Personal, not with the, the electricity, the ele electrical God. You know, the God of the light. See, not with that that kind. Of, you can have that too. But there's also another something, another goodie on the menu. You can have a personal loving relationship eternally with God. So that's that's what we're doing. That's what we're just trying to because there's not enough of that nowadays. There's so I mean there's for every person that's 
talking about this type of relationship, this personal loving relationship, there's a million that are saying in personal ways that we go. But more than before, yeah. Don't you find that most people with religion though, they find a religion that best suits them in the aspect of like, okay, I'm gonna go try, I'm gonna go see what you're about in a little bit of minutes and let's Oh wait a minute, let me find it. Whatever they're doing, you know, and it, and it seems like Oh yeah. Where that's, it seems that's like the shift is gone. Yeah. I call it the type of people's yoga because it's on every corner. Well but it, it's it's common because I'm an illusion. Correct. I don't know God. I'm a fallen conditioned soul. So I start to look around and I'm I'm trying to find now I I'm fallen on condition and I don't have really good spiritual knowledge. So it's like, you know, people people who go to church they're not saving to walk in the door, are they? They consider themselves sinners. You know, like, so they, they come there to make an advancement. They come there to advance. It's like an atheist is the easier way to say they don't have to do it. I'm an atheist, so I don't know. It's just it's like, it's like almost like a cop-out. But it seems like what people shift into is as they look at different things. And I think that's, you know, I know we even have the problem having, like, we'll say, two different stages of Christian consciousness is that the reason why there's not all these devotees coming running through the door is because when you do come running through the door, they all, yeah, let me see, let me check you out. And all of a sudden well, you yeah, and like you were saying before, a lot of people want to pick a religion that will fit in with their, what I want. they're an artist. Yeah, what I want. You know, uh, all right, you know, religion that, I like this one over here because I can have six wives. You know, I can have a sexual relationship with six women at one time. I like that religion. That sounds really good. You know, this one over here lets me do heroin. So I don't have to give up my heroin habit because they, they they think that I can do heroin and, and get salvation. So I like this one, you know. Or this one over here, they like to they like to get together and have beer parties. I like beer parties. You see what I mean? So in other words, I'm choosing a religion that will fit my anarchists, my unwanted habits or unwanted things that I really need to get me getting rid of, rid of. So after so much suffering and some some sort of realization that I'm not really that spiritually advanced, I might fall into somebody who says, look, give up your nonsense. Because it's really not on us. I mean, as an example, I mean, we're distributing books, you know, you know, and I just literally, so it was, I was going in one direction where it was like, hey, I want to save everybody in aspect, but in, in my own way, like, here, I'm doing this, and you're talking, and really it's not. Basically, here's the book, and then the book will do, and then Christian the will do. The book will work its magic. Yeah, exactly. Where it's yeah. not so much, it's not on me to write it from something. No, but just to do to do your part, whatever right. you can do. Correct. Right. All right, let's read on a little bit, and then we'll talk. We'll talk more more discussion. Okay. I feel like there's more discussion. You and I are going to talk about something. Okay. Yes. Talk about the seeds in different traditions. Okay. Yeah. All right. Rishi continues. Just fix your mind upon me. The spring personality of Godhead. And engage all your intelligence in me. Thus you will live in me always without a doubt. This is saying, without a doubt here, I promise you. Okay? This is a guarantee. This is a celestial guarantee. Before this, in the verse before this, Krishna said that having fixed your mind upon me, serving me in devotional service, meditating on me, for them I am the swift. I am the swift deliverer from the ocean of birth and death. You don't have to do it yourself. You don't have to do the thing. You don't have to. You just 
Worship me as a supreme person of your family. Perform loving devotional service to me, and I'll do it for you. I will deliver you. Me. So you don't have to say, well, I'm, but I'm so fallen, but I'm not. I'm Krishna. I'll deliver you. Sorry, but I'm so weak, but I'm, st I'm strong. You just give me love, loving devotional service. I'll do it for you. Okay? So, Krishna says, thus you will live in me always without a doubt. Okay, that's verse 8. That's where I wanted to stop. Okay, now, discussion. <laughs> We stay in the material world because we think we might enjoy the seventh generation. So sometimes like when you have a like a child, you make them do something that you say you say, I want to do this, you say, No, you can't do that because that's bad for you. So how come, you know, at a certain point like Krishna, you know, we're all his children, why can't he say, Well this material world is gonna hurt you, so I'm gonna pull you out instead of I mean, so many people seem like they're so covered over and so lost. Well, because he just want to take away your free will. You know? I mean, first of all, Krishna knows that you're excuse me, an eternal living entity. You can't be burned by fire. You can't be pierced by a sharp object. You can't be withered by the, the Arizona heat. You, the soul, you can't be harmed in any way. And plus, he's with you every minute as the super soul. Harmonic, or the Holy Spirit. He's with you every day. So, uh, he lets you make up your own, your own mind, make your own decisions, hoping that someday, and he knows you will soon, someday, you'll choose him. But he doesn't want to force you or, or twist your arm. He doesn't want to make you choose him. That's not love. If I make you if I somehow or other threaten you or force you to love me, there's no love in all things. But you can give liberation to somebody who may not have chosen to love them. Yeah. So how is that? Well, you mean like when he kills a demon? That's a personal liberation. Yeah. What about like if you become a devotee and your family members uh, also become liberated in Krishna love? Because he's just happy with you. What, what and it's just real kind. What if they don't want to do it? What if they, they still want to enjoy the deal? Well, it's not like they just all disappear. You know, most of them, most of them are already dead and, and involved in some other pursuit of sense gratification or whatever. So Krishna just said, you know, one by one, it's not going to be like one by one, when their time is up, when they leave that body, they're going to go back, back home, back to God. Somehow or other, Krishna will see that they're liberated. Because it's, it's, like a, it's like a reward to the parent. You know, you raise the Krishna, you raise the devotee, not because of your, uh, even if you didn't, but, but the parent influenced the, the child to be where he is. See, they have they have to have some influence for the child uh, becoming a devotee, turning to Krishna. So somehow or other, maybe by a bad example, 
child thinks, I don't want to be like my parents. My parents are atheists. So I'm going to be, I'm going to church. So Krishna says, thank you. You said you said that you said to me. So he's, he's just kind. And he can afford to be kind. He doesn't have to worry about any black any backlash in his kindness. So, but it's not like they just all disappear and they're, you know. It's, it's kind of like, it's not like it doesn't take a million years, but as they finish up their birth that they're in now, he liberates them. Now, how he does that, I'm not really sure. Does he send his pure devotee? You know, does he? I don't know. Somehow or other, he will influence them and help them. Or maybe he just picks them up and takes them back. I don't know. I've never got that far. Things we're missing in this movement right now 
is understanding uh, complex movement. And that's a whole class that I'm going to give later on. I've got some data that I'm going to A lot of people are either uh, unaware of complex movement or aware but don't really care. They don't really care. You know why? That was, that was 35 years ago. See? I mean, he was an old man from Bengal. For crying out loud, he was born in the 1800s. He's not up with what's happening today. You see? That's what they think. They don't, they're, they're thinking materially and not spiritually. The teachings that Prabhupada gave us are the same teachings that have always been handed down through the recipient succession. So, when Prabhupada instructed us that we should do one of two things. <clears throat> Either become a leader, or align yourself behind one. It's A or B. There is no C. So if you want to be a leader, become a leader. By all means, become a leader. Find out what it means. In other words, find out what is Prabhupada's mood and, be, and teach it to others. And what is Prabhupada's mood? He wants to save all living entities. He wants to show every living entity what's on the menu. Not force them. Not say, hey, look, you idiot, you know, if you don't give up this impersonalism, we're going to beat you up. You know, or shoot you, or we're going to run a campaign on Facebook or against you. Something like that. You know, he doesn't say like that. He just wants to, let, wants to let you know what's available. And, and, and what is it like? What's it like? If you have a loving relationship with God, what is that like? Because it's so hard for us who don't have a an understanding, it's hard for us to understand what the heck you're talking about. You see, I, I always had a, I was, I always called myself like a lot of Americans, a good God-fearing man. I grew up, you know, just a little bit afraid. <laughs> just better do it this way or, you know, I didn't think so much of, of loving God. I mean, I, I wanted to, and I wanted to, I wanted him to think I loved him, but I didn't know how to love him, I didn't know anything about him. See? So, I had this little bit of fear that I would like better or else, kind of thing, you see. So, what we want to know, to let people know, is that you can have a loving relationship with God without fear of retribution if you should goof up. You know? If you should make a mistake. Or if you should change your mind and say, all right, no, I was on the path, but I decided, no, I'm not. I'm not going to do this. No retribution. Krishna knows. You're going to end up right here. Everybody ends up. It's like Krishna's got this little spot in the local Vindavan. Everybody's going to end up right there. I don't care which path you take. And it's not that all paths lead right there. That's another bunch of hogwash. But you're going to try all these paths, and sooner or later, you're going to want hate. I'm Krishna. I'm the most wonderful. I'm the most beautiful. There's nobody like me. And you'll learn that someday. And it's not that he's forcing you. He's just trying to, you know, it's like, it's like a child that wants to run away from home. You know, the parent. Can you imagine that? Like a six-year-old kid is going to run away from home. So the parent says, okay. He packs his little bag and he walks out the front door. And then he comes back a half hour later, Dad, you know, I, I want to go home. You know, there's no place like home. I love my room and I love you and mommy and 
You see what I mean? We, we come to our senses and we realize, you know, there's nobody like you, Krishna. You're the most wonderful. And it's just like, uh, to lighten things up a little bit, let me tell, tell a joke. Anybody like to hear a joke? Yeah. There was this kid, this little boy, he's like six years old, and he had this bad problem with cursing, saying curse words. So uh, his father said, uh, Alright, little Johnny, if you don't stop cursing, I'm going to pack your bag and I'm going to put you out the door and you're going to have to leave. The father didn't mean it. He just put it in So, so now the next time you curse, I'm packing a bag and I'm going to push you out the front door and you're gone. So sure enough, a little while later, Johnny slipped and said some, some dirty word. Dad can't come with his bag all packed. He says, alright, you've got to leave. So he puts him out on the front porch and uh, Little Johnny's sitting there on the front step. Dad looks out about a half hour later, he's still there. An hour later, he's still there. And he opened the door finally, he said, well, what's going on? And uh, I said, you, you know, do you want to come back? And the little boy said, well, not really. I'd kind of like to leave, but she lives, Dad. I don't know where the hell to go. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to get out of here. So, you know, the living entity, we're kind of like that. We're a little cocky when we leave Krishna. We think, I, I don't really need you. As a matter of fact, some people think, I am you. You know, you're just electricity, and I'm part of that. So, I'm God, you're God. Even the Beatles sing about it. You know, we're all one, all is one. This is, you know, and it is, no matter of speaking, we all are one, but we're all separate. Individual, see. So we get a little cocky. We think I can do this on my own. I don't need no stinking pot. You know. Would it be safe to say then that some the uh, to see the level of some spiritual consciousness is their interaction amongst other people, like there's verifiable symptoms. You know, as Krishna mentions truthfulness, cleanliness, tolerance, simplicity, austerity, freedom from uh, fault finding. All these things we can see manifested, like. In you can see, okay, this person is really to verify the symptoms. Yeah. Versus the activity of this person. Or we can choose not to see them. It's like you were saying a while ago, somebody might, they, they, well, they may not want to accept an authority. You know, I may choose not to see good qualities. Of the I may choose to see bad qualities. Because I have a motive. I have a motive. I may choose to see qualities that are not there, or I may choose to see to not see qualities that are there. I have, I have, a, I have a motive. See? I'm not looking to surrender to anyone. I'm not really, absolutely, 100% sold on the, the idea of looking for the absolute truth. You see, I kind of, I kind of want that, but I'm so distracted by all these other things that I want, that I think I want, or I could want, or I might want tomorrow. I don't want to rule that out by surrendering to God's representative or God serving, you know. You see what I mean? So therefore I can find fault and I can justify within my own mind why I don't want to be a part of this or why I don't want to be a part of that. You see? And as long as it's going on in my own mind, I can I can feel like, yeah, I'm right. I'm doing the right thing. And then we have to suffer. Yeah. How does it 
play out where in one aspect of the chapter where you know, it says, you know, we use Bhakti, where it's like, oh, you know, have to really chant, greet the deities, do all these things, you know, at the same time it's very simple, where you have, you know, it also says, here, you just chant, and you just do devotional service, and you come back to God. It's that simple, but at the same time, the four principles that we have, you know, obviously, with somebody that's, if you're at the temple, it's a lot easier yeah. than if you have people that are not at the temple, which, you know, maybe come on Sunday, maybe not, maybe this, maybe that. So how does that affect, I mean, how do you see this, you know, when it's devotional service, you know, and they want to, you know. Well, what if, what if somebody doesn't live close to a temple? Mayaportv.com. Online, yeah. Yeah. So in other words, they can. So actually, absolutely, going to the temple a lot is not an absolute requirement. So I want to chant Hare Krishna. Chanting Hare Krishna will lead me to wanting to do devotional service, loving devotional service to God. So I'm going to have to do that somehow or other. I can't make it to the temple at all, but I'm going to take up some activities that I can. And gee whiz, you know, I know this guy at work, and he's a nice guy, and I'm going to tell him what I've learned and share it with him. Maybe we're going to get together. I live a long way from the temple, but maybe we'll get together at my house and we'll discuss it. I'll fix some prasadam for him. I have an altar at home. I offer my own food. Now, is the prasadam any better? Is it, is it more prasadam here than it is if, if he offers it at home with love and devotion? Same. Same. Same thing. But do you think that the music, just a guy beside the guy, where what I see in others, the sarcasm, the, the playfulness, and all these different aspects, it's because Krishna does those things. I mean, he plays jokes on them, he does stuff, and, you know. Yeah. You know, I mean, I can yeah, he has, test he has, that. And, he has a supreme sense of humor. Yeah, I mean, I, I say that to mine because it helps me with my devotional service and I've got all my numbers in here so I wouldn't I am I am attached to mine. So I had all my business numbers so they yeah. were like alright but it wasn't oh uh, let's see you were that that comment that you made there that question about how, saints said you say that now how did you say that that's an interesting discussion. I said there are saints in many traditions prior Christian consciousness yeah. So if there's if there are saints in many traditions, why should we choose Krishna consciousness? Because uh, because someone is saintly, that doesn't mean that they're going to get liberation and be Krishna's eternal servant. You see, they may get some liberation, which may lead them on a path which ultimately doesn't take them to the lotus feet of Krishna. Just like the impersonalists. The impersonalists can seem sacred. They can seem very sacred. They can convince you. I mean, they convince millions of people that they have. And some of them really do have a developed mystic potency. You know, they can produce, most of them all they can do is 
to loose the ashes out of their hand. And then there was mystic parts. And so a lot of people think, wow, you must, you must be a saint. You must really know what you're, what you're doing. You must be special. So just be some, because someone may possess saintly uh, attributes, I have to examine, are you going to take me where I want to go? Are you going to, are you going to help me find me? I'm an eternal living entity. I'm an eternal <coughs> servant of Krishna. Okay? That's who I am. That's my true identity. I'm an eternal servant of God. So if somebody cannot take me to that, they can't help me find myself. In other words, I can't achieve self-realization. If somebody's trying to convince me that I'm part of the electricity, God's just electricity or energy, and I'm part of that. I can do the math. Say, well, that's not going to take me to the, to the position of understanding that I'm an eternal servant of God. You see what I mean? So, no, no, please go ahead. I just wanted to say, related to what you're asking, like, I mean, objectively speaking, like, if you were. You know, choosing, if you were to treat, you know, choosing your spiritual path or religion like research projects, so like if you, I've heard people make this comment, in my in my personal experience it's very true, like if you read the Bible and the Quran, and like the, the philosophy that's presented in Bhagavad Gita is not contradictory to that, but it's much more complete. In Srimad Bhagavatam, it has so much information about cosmos and so we're all free to choose, you know, what resonates the most, you know, and that completeness really resonates with me, you know, like there's no questions that are unanswered there. They talk about all the planets and, you know, that all the spans of, of never-ending time. It's, you know, objectively yeah. speaking, the Vedic information is so much more complete. So if we're searching for knowledge, you know, that would be very good. Yeah. And, and just you know, why Krishna consciousness? Because there is more knowledge to help me identify with, with myself, with my eternal position, that I'm serving of God. And I actually achieve that. That's true liberation when I get myself I can get into tune with myself. See? Now, uh, and therein is the, is the platform of argument. You know, the person who's going to say, well, but my eternal position is to be one of the cosmos, you know, and all this other stuff that they have. Well, yeah, but they don't, they don't want to surrender to anybody. They don't want to surrender to God. They don't want to serve anybody. They don't want to serve God. Although they may do some some nice works for, for, for mankind, you know, that they do, they give charity, but they're not aware of the, of the three modes. They're, they're not giving charity in the mode of pure goodness. It's generally charity in the mode of passion, because I'm going to get some return. Maybe not money, but people will see what a great guy I am, you know. So I'll get followers. People will like me, or I'll become more popular. I'm, I'm, more, I'm, I'm more light. Or, or sometimes people say they'll, they'll talk about transforming their karma. It's, a, it's like they're doing good things to transform their karma. Yeah. Yeah. 
thought about this a lot because I'm a recovering personal myself and a lot of studying Buddhism. And so all my Buddhist friends will always tell me, and that's why I kind of, you know, I don't argue with my friends. It's like we have discussions that it's really it's far better. Yeah. But um, you know, I would say, in my own analysis, I think that it's actually safer, intellectually and emotionally safer, to be, just think about it in the psychological framework, safer to have an impersonal relationship with God than to have a personal relationship with God. Because prior to most people's involvement in Buddhism, I'm talking about Western world, their relationship with God was rather tenuous. It was a God, God had a personality, but he was hateful, judgmental, reactionary, you know, you know, you name it. Very whole very fierce. Old you know, Testament. That kind of, yeah, Old Testament, yeah. That relationship is, you know, like, so people have, oftentimes people have left that kind of relationship, that kind of a God, and feel a lot better. And then they come to a yoga salon, they go, wow, God is love, God is the light, God is impersonal, there's no... There's no judgment. There's no yeah. energy. Yeah, he's energy. So it's a safer relationship. It's a safer relationship, and no one's ever taught them that there's Krishna. Right. That there's another kind of relationship with the divine. Right. But I think, so. I think that that's explained with uh, why Krishna became Buddha, why he incarnated in Buddha, is to trick the yeah. atheists. The people who were yeah, people, people who were using the Vedas to offer um, sacrificial offerings just to eat meat. Yeah. Right. So Buddha came just became the word Buddha to talk them out of it. But it's still working in this day and age. People will leave that like scary Christianity <coughs> looking for something else. And they usually land on Buddha. Right. So it's still yeah. it, it's either that that those people or the atheists. Well, it's not all Christianity that's like that. No, I know. What I'm saying is, for the atheists, yeah. they land on Buddhism. Yeah. So so Krishna incarnating as Buddha, his original reason is still working. Yeah. To this day. Yeah. It, to get you so at least a, a, a step closer. Progression. Yeah. Well, that's, that's an interesting observation. It's there, it's working, and, and it's a step in, in, in the right direction. You don't have to take responsibility. I'm not atheistic. You know, I can believe in God, it's just energy. But it's not, you probably know more, but my Christian friends, they, don't, they go to churches where they're not <coughs> preaching so much hellfire and brimstone. They don't do that anymore. Not all of them, but some of them do. Yeah, the last one we were in Dallas, he was in the reality stream the whole time. Yeah. The last one I was in here, a Cuban dance dream, be married before, I mean, every Saturday night, it's like, I've done horrible things, I go home, which is like, but, yeah, it's like, fear God, do this, and then I, I refuse to go to church anymore, not yeah. going to, so I feel like... Yeah, you just had an experience like that. Yeah, we were talking about that, it yeah. at age I still a Christian, I will pray, and I think if you seek the heart of God, He's going to come to you and show that He's generous and He's loving and He's yeah. forgiving because He doesn't want you to feel dirt, not to leave yeah. <laughs> and drug in there. And that also He's not a 
there are many who, 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 uh, who can see the similarity to what we're talking about, you know, about a loving God. We have so many similarities. But, you know, if you, if you read the Bible without a spare, then you can see, well, you know, what we're, believe, what we're believing in, you Hare Krishna sound like the right, you know, uh, the biggest disagreement, if you would call it, let's say, let's call it difference that we have is, and not all Christians are hanging on to this, but some of them still hang on to it. Well, we're the only way. The rest of you are just garbage. You know, we're the only ones going to heaven. The rest of you are going to, you're going to burn. You know? Now, a lot of the, most of them, a lot, I don't know how much, but you said, well, a lot of the Christian church has changed. I've got Christian friends that say to me, look, I don't know, but I don't, I, I don't believe you guys are going to hell. I just don't believe you're going to hell. I can't accept that my God, that, that my Lord Jesus Christ, would send you to hell. I don't believe you. So, you made a, I just want to, you made a statement earlier this morning about how movement where it was stricken and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, kaboom, like, I guess you lost water, you know, you have words before, it's like, you lost water. Yeah. So in, in this aspect, do you think that we're moving more towards being politically correct and a little bit, like, softer? Some are and some are. Versus, I mean, when I'm looking at this, it's very disciplined. We've, very got, we've got some things <coughs> in our movement who are, are moving towards a corporate image. They like the, the ISCON is a corporation. You know, uh, we have some lead leaders in our movement, uh, Jarrell was observing, he's usually observing, and we went to the uh, Southern side of the mm -hmm. Some leaders, they're like rock stars. You know, they got like rock star status. And then we have some that are uh, just like in the old days, they haven't changed. They're dinosaurs. They haven't changed at all. They're just like, they're just exactly the way it was when Prabhupada was here. They're, but do you feel there should be more like that? I mean, yourself. I mean, I know there's a little flexibility, because I do try to look at it, you know, things have changed uh, the technology, like you said. But the thing is, Prabhupada's Prabhupada. Nothing changes. It doesn't matter. I've got quotes from Prabhupada where he says, you should read my books. And you should enact what I what I say in my books and nothing else. <clears throat> nothing else. So in other words, you we just follow on the path of the previous charges. Uh, and you know, we can say that several times a day, every day. And it's, it's people still it's hard for people to get it because they still want to do something different or do something like that. And there's there's material motivations that have to be there. I think you nailed have, it. They have to be. I think you nailed it when you say it's moving. They say, yes, there are disciples, and yes, there are spiritual masters and stuff, but it was Prabhupada's movement. They said, when he said something, or teaching, or discipline, or loving, so when I read it, I feel like I can, I can feel where he's coming from. Like, yeah. Sometimes it's, it's such a loving tone, but then there's other times where he's very, yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, he speaks very clearly. You, you can't read his books without understanding what his point. He makes his point very clearly, does he not? Yeah. I mean, 
Longfellow is the best writer I've ever seen. You never have to. Sometimes I go back and reread what I just read because I like the way he laid it. He laid his cards right on the table. This is what I'm saying. Not like, could do a little of this. He wasn't trying to appeal to a wide audience. Let's make everybody happy. Prophet said, Surrender to Krishna. Become Krishna's loving servant. Like his own conviction is very compelling. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, in a discussion. Yeah. Well, it's 8 o'clock, so we should probably wrap it up and go get something to eat when we say. Are you hungry? Did you bring appetite? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting for the food to All right. All right, thank you all for coming. This was fun.